listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Garden, 
welcoming an old friend, an old teammate, Marcus Morris, in his first time back in Boston in a Los Angeles Clippers uniform, making his way to L.A. at the trade deadline. But all that said and all of that done, the Boston Celtics once again came out 141 to 133 winners, improving to 38 and 16 on the season and 23 and 5 at home. Now officially, I believe, one and a half games behind the Toronto Raptors. I have to double-check that. One and a half games behind the Toronto Raptors for second place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, The Los Angeles Clippers similarly remain in third place in the Western Conference. Um, Just to break this thing down, still waiting for my co-host. I'm not sure if it's going to be Snotty Drippin', not sure if it's going to be somebody who just appeared on my uh, switchboard, we'll find out in a second. Just break down a couple of these uh, little box score tidbits. The leader for tonight has to go to the game ball, has to go to uh, Jason Tatum. 39 points, 9 rebounds, and assists. Jason Tatum lit him up early, lit him up often. Uh, 5 for 10 from 3, 14 from 23 from uh, from the field overall. Um, an excellent game from Jason Tatum. There are a few things I didn't like about his game, uh, but in the end, it was a W and a convincing W at that. Uh, so we'll get into that later. Marcus Smart had another fantastic game this season. Um, never know what you're going to get from Marcus Smart. I guess he's like a box of chocolates. Uh, one game is going to be, you know, not much scoring, but a whole lot of defense. One game is going to be uh, 11 three-pointers, and then it's going to be a game like this where you have uh, 31 points on 10 of 20 shooting from the field. Only 5 of 14 from 3, and I think anybody watching this game knew early when Marcus Smart hit those uh, early three-pointers in the first quarter that he was just going to continue shooting them. And uh, there were moments when, uh, more often than not, I think when we said, please, Marcus, don't hurt him. Uh, And hurt him is what he did sometimes with those three-pointers, but when the Boston Celtics needed a shot or needed a play, as usual, Marcus Smart was there and uh, coming through with a 31-point game for the Boston Celtics to go with four rebounds, three assists, and four steals. I mean, that's quite the uh, the stat line. When you got Marcus Smart, who's arguably the, you know, I know he's the best defensive player on the team, but who's arguably in terms of uh, name recognition, notoriety, in terms of star power, arguably your fourth best player on the team, if even that would, is that even fair to say? Looking at Kemba Walker, Gordon uh, Hayward, Jason Tatum, fifth. I guess you would say, in terms of star power. And coming through with the 31-point game, uh, just incredible. 21 points from Garden Hayward. I mean, m- most of that seemed to come in the third quarter. I know he did his thing here and there in the in the, in the the uh, first and second quarters. Um, came through critical in the fourth in an overtime when he couldn't, you know, make a shot, when he couldn't get a shot to go. He grabbed critical rebounds, got crit- forced critical turnovers, uh, hit critical free throws. So, you know, Gordon Hayward, <laughs> I, I made a joke about playing dad ball, and uh, my significant other in the living room, she just overheard me, started laughing <laughs> that I referred to Gordon Hayward's game as dad ball. But that's what Gordon Hayward plays. He plays dad ball. And uh, 21 points worth of it and 13 rebounds. I mean, double-double from Gordon Hayward, you know, you wouldn't wouldn't think it, but I guess, you know, in double overtime, he's going to accumulate those points. Uh, and just running down the uh, box score real quickly, Kimball Walker, 19 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, flirted with a triple-double, didn't quite uh, seal the deal, didn't quite get a date with that triple-double, but 19-9-7, and seven, uh, good enough for me. Only 5-17 from the field, that is not good enough for me, but it is 
uh, was good enough, I should say, to uh, to help propel the Boston Celtics to a W in this game and then rounding out the starting five. Daniel Tice, who fouled out in this game on what seemed to be a fairly bogus call, but, you know, there were a lot of bogus calls in this game. Uh, I think there was something like two or three palming calls and about, you know, four traveling calls. I mean, how players in the NBA travel? Since when? Uh, apparently in this game they did, but Daniel Tice, uh, 12 points, 5 rebounds, a steal and 2 blocks, um, had a nasty block. I forgot who it was on, but he really he slapped an ish out of somebody's ball there early in the game. Um, impressive. Uh, I think it was Paul George. Yeah, Paul George, Daniel Tice, nice block on Paul George. Uh, 5 for 9 in the field, 24 points. Uh, the bench for the Boston Celtics, I mean, you can, which you can basically expect, Ennis Kant to 8.8 rebounds. Brad Wanamaker, 9 points, um, hit a nice three-pointer. Um, in there, but 19 points from the bench when on the other side the Clippers had just, I mean, they almost tripled that with, uh, they did triple that with just uh, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams alone who combined for 59 points. So you had, let's see, 59, 60, 65 points from the bench for the Clippers compared to 19 points uh, for the Celtics bench. The bench continues to be an issue. Uh, but, of course, Jalen Brown was out this game, so uh, rotations were a little bit different. Rotations were a little bit uh, tighter. Uh, there were officially uh, ten players for the Boston Celtics playing tonight, five of which scored double figures, but that was mainly because uh, Carson Edwards uh, came in the game in uh, garbage time. So, uh, once again, the Boston Celtics defeating the Los Angeles Clippers, 141-133, to 133, uh, a few uh, tidbits for the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, 28 points, um, 19 points for uh, Landry Shamit. Uh, uh, I don't even like looking at Andrew Shamit on the court, uh, 24 points, as I mentioned previously, for Montrez Harrell, and 35 for Lou Williams, you know, nothing chaps my ass more than watching Lou Williams come off the bench and roast the Boston Celtics, I just don't like that, uh, Marcus Morris, only 10 points, but a couple of those points were critical threes at critical moments in the game. Um, and finally, before I bring in, it looks like Justin Russo is going to be my co-host tonight. So we will adapt accordingly. Uh, I was told somebody else. So that's great. I always like working with new people. Um, just a few team stats. Um, Boston Celtics outshooting the Los Angeles Clippers uh, by just a couple of percentage points, uh, nearly 44% to 42% from the field. Um, but outshooting the Clippers from three by a significant margin, 18 of 43 for 42% uh, from three for the Celtics, uh, 11 of 35 from deep for the Clippers. And let's do the rebounding test because, you know, the Boston Celtics fans like to whine about the big man and about how badly the Boston Celtics need rebounding and rim protection. And uh, let's see, the Clippers out-rebounded the Celtics by four boards, 55-51, to 51, and had one more block than the Celtics, 10 blocks to nine. So, once again, the Boston Celtics defeating the Los Angeles Clippers, 144-131, to 131, or 133, my bad. And with that, I'm going to bring in my co-host, Justin Russo, says the name on my uh, switchboard. What's up, Justin? It's nice to uh, meet you, nice to talk to you, nice to co-host uh, the show with another one of CLNS Media's finest. What did you see in tonight's game? Justin Russo, are you there? Can anybody hear me? Maybe it's quiet out there. Um, 
All right, well, we'll give Justin Russo a couple of minutes to figure out his uh, technical status with the call-in. Justin, when you get everything figured out, please press 1 or somehow let me know that you are ready to go. Um, and with that, I'm going to remind all of our fans here at C, uh, at CLNS Media and the Post Game Show that this is a live call-in show. So for those of you that would like to discuss tonight's 141-133 double overtime victory by the Boston Celtics over the Los Angeles Clippers, please dial the HelloFresh toll-free call lines at 347-215-7771. And when you hear the automated operator, that uh, British-sounding voice, press 1, and that will let us know that you'd like to get on the airwaves live to discuss Boston Celtics basketball. Um, as I mentioned, this show in the toll-free call lines is sponsored by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook them and enjoy. Don't eat them raw. Cook them first. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash CLNS80 and enter CLNS80, that's CLNS80, to get $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit prescription service with the easiest, most freshly seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients uh, delivered right to your door. Tasty vittles indeed, HelloFresh. I'm going to try again. Justin Russo, you're appearing on my switchboard, so that means that um, you must have something to do with the show. Justin Russo, are you there? I do not hear Justin Russo. So what we're going to do is uh, go straight back to those toll-free call lines, 347-215-7771. I see a 617 area code. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark because I'm a little bit disoriented right now. I don't have a co-host that's functioning. Uh, we'll just go ahead and guess that this is uh, Cuba from Dorchester. Is that you, Cuba, or is it somebody else in the 617? 617, you are live on the air. Well, that's cool, 617. If you decide you want to join the discussion of this 141-133 Boston Celtics victory over the Los Angeles Clippers, please press 1 while you're listening, and we'll get you on the air. Uh, let's see. We have 201 area code. 201, you are live on the air. What did you see tonight? Did you want to join the discussion, or are you just listening? Area code 201. Area code 201 just hung up. See, that's normally what happens when they call in to listen and they're not ready to get on the air. Uh, instead of just saying, no, nah, I'm just listening, it's a hang-up. That's okay. Uh, feel free to call back and listen. I will not click on your number again. Uh, we'll try Justin Russo one more time, and then I will get back into uh, the analysis. All by my lonesome. Justin Russo, you're appearing on my switchboard. Can you hear me? Is there a problem with my calls, or maybe it's a problem on your end, trying to figure it out. Justin, what's up? All right, Justin, if you can hear me, I can't hear you. So if there's any way you can fix your technical issues, that would be awesome. If not, uh, I'll just keep trying back because there's no shame in my game. It doesn't make for the best of shows, but we'll try it. Um, going back to the HelloFresh call lines, well, I guess I was. These call... This switchboard is just going wild on me. Calls lighting up and then calls dropping. All right. Uh, 
just a brief aside as we get everything uh, scheduled out. As I mentioned about 100 times, the Boston Celtics defeat the L.A. Clippers heading into All-Star Weekend, 141 to 133. I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, uh, the I mentioned earlier in the show, Jason Tatum had a fantastic game, 39 points from Jason Tatum. Um, he's had a fantastic stretch uh, the past few weeks with the Boston Celtics um, really carrying this team. He got the Boston Celtics out to um, an impressive start in, in this game. Uh, game started out on a 7-0 to Clipper run, and the Boston Celtics responded with a 10-0 run of their own. Uh, so, uh, back and forth game, as you can tell by the double overtime uh, result, the Boston Celtics coming out on top. But this game, to me, really felt like it followed the uh, the same pattern kind of down the, the stretch as the first um, Clipper game back in November, which is a 107-104 loss in overtime. Um, kind of, you know, some strange calls going down some you know some momentum killers maybe on both sides I'm a Celtics fan so I, I really only notice those things I'm looking for momentum for the Celtics maybe that's just a flaw in the way that I watch basketball but when the Celtics are playing it's hard for me to uh to uh, separate myself from you know cheering for the home team or cheering for my team uh but it just seemed like there were some just just strange some bogus calls I have notes that you know written here um one of the notes same script as the November game Bullshit foul on Tice versus Montre, Mon, uh, Montrez in overtime. Uh, Tice fouled out of that game. Uh, fouled out of the game on one of those fouls. I mean, just some real suspect uh, calls. There was an offensive foul called on Jason Tatum. Uh, that I mean, it was barely visible. I don't even think they showed the replay. It seems like on these broadcasts, whenever there's a suspect call. The replay is kind of like you know short and coming. They don't they don't replay those calls. Um, and this isn't one of those shows where I want to complain about the calls. It just seemed like, you know, the Boston Celtics for, uh, I would say they had a two-point lead heading into the half. I believe it was 60-58, to 58, and then went on a, a somewhat of a run in the third quarter, had, I believe, upwards of a seven-point lead. Um, and then, you know, going down the stretch, there were just some of those calls that you would generally technically consider 50-50 calls ending up being, uh, Clipper calls, the calls that went in the Clippers' favor, and things that just you know didn't didn't make all that much sense. Uh, but the Boston Celtics remained poised uh, and, and got themselves through it. Um, and before I go back to these call lines, I do see six one nine. I have an idea who that is um, lighting up the switchboard, and they did indeed press one, so I know that they do want to get live on the air. Uh, one of the few things that, that did bother me in this game about Jason Tatum, I mentioned this earlier in the uh, opening monologue, is that. At the end of regulation, when the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Clippers were tied, I believe it was 114 to 114, um, and Jason Tatum had the ball, dribbling the ball on the clear, what looked like basically just an iso. They were going to give Jason Tatum the, the last uh, shot with I don't know how many seconds left. I think it was something like 10 seconds left or 20 seconds left. And you see Jason Tatum kind of dribbling the ball around the three-point line. And it really looked like Jason Tatum setting himself up like he wanted to set himself up for a three-point shot. Now, you have the last possession in what, you know, would have been reg what was regulation uh and it's the score is tied. On in, on what planet 
does a player need to, you know, line themselves up and start looking for a three-point shot? The score is tied. You have the last possession of the game. You basically can take a shot with the clock at zero and either make or miss. The worst you can do is tie and go into overtime, which is ultimately what happened with the Celtics. And you have Jason Tatum looking like he's about to set up for a three-point shot. And I, I think that my criticism was, was pretty much justified as later on in the game uh, he – did the exact same thing, I think, uh, towards the end of, I believe, the first um, overtime. Uh, he just had, you know, the, 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 the ball with a few seconds left, could have take, uh, to take the last shot, and he goes and takes, you know, this, this bogus three-point shot that misses. It just doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't make much sense. When, you, when the game is tied and you have the last possession, and even Kevin McHale mentioned that, he let the, uh, the, uh, Jason Tatum let the Clippers' defense off the hook by basically just lining himself up for a three-point shot when the game was tied in the last possession. And Kevin McHale literally echoed what I had said, not just at that point in the game, but also um, at the end of regulation. What the hell is Jason Tatum doing trying to you know, take a three? It's like you don't need that. You don't need that. You don't need to be the highlight. Just make the easiest, simplest play, get the W, and go home. And the Boston Celtics fortunately got the W and went home, uh, now get to rest. Hopefully Jalen Brown can rest his, uh, his ankles and the rest of the team, uh, uh, Lob Williams, can you know, get his hip right. Ennis Cantor seemed to have, to be hobbled. I think one of his uh, knees, or possibly maybe it was still his hip, uh, was bothering him, bothering him. He didn't get to play much um, in overtime because due to that injury, he had Grant Williams out on the floor. I just don't understand. If you have a tied game, you have the last, you know, you have the chance to take the last shot. Why even look for the three? Why even think about the three? Get the easiest shot. Now, if you have a wide open player, this wide—I was going to say a bad word—but wide open. Take that if that's the best shot, but not a contested shot that, you know, doesn't make any sense. But uh, Jason Tatum, uh, all said and done, you know, 39 points, 14 for 23 from the field, 5 for 10 from 3. Uh, he hit some critical uh, free throws down the down the stretch. Can't complain about his game, but there, that was just the one thing that I saw, and I just thought it was just interesting. Sometimes these players, they want to do, you know, one, one player hits a 3 to tie, or one player hits a 3 to, to get the lead and, you know, take a one- or two-point lead, so that means the next guy got to go and, you know, answer him with a three or has to, you know, take a three to make a, a highlight real play, um, uh, you know, to, to end the game. You know, just, just win the game. Don't, don't, don't do that. Anyways, I'm going to try one more time with Justin Russo. Justin, I, I see you on my switchboard. Your name is here. I know that you must have logged in regularly. Can you hear me? Are you there, Justin? All right. So I don't know who Justin Russo is. Somehow he managed to get into the blog talk system. He must just be listening. Justin Russo, if you want to get on the air, feel free to press one on your dial tone. Six one nine. I'm gonna get. I'm guessing this is my man Snotty Drippin'. It has to be uh, James Hollis, aka Snotty Drippin'. Is that you, Snotty? You come to co-host with me? No, it's not. It's Sam from San Diego. Ah, Sam from San Diego. Both of y'all live in San Diego, so it's a 619. Yeah, it's What's 6-1-9. up, Sam in San Diego? What did yeah. you think about the game tonight? It was quite the thriller, 141 to 133 in double overtime. Did you like what you saw from the Celtics yeah, tonight? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, obviously any time we get a win, especially against a top team like that on national TV, it's awesome. Um, and that is one scary team, the Clippers. You know, they 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 got so many options. But I really wanted to call because I had a couple of, Things that I saw through the game, and I was going to call whether they won or lost because I it's just I just things that that bug me that I think can come back to haunt us in the playoffs, and that's just you know Marcus Smart is taking too many shots uh, in the last yes. minute of play um, that 
I, I mean, I understand he's a he's a, he's a he's a player that we like to have him to pick and roll at the top of the key to create, but I don't like him trying to score, especially not in the post late in the game when when Jason Tatum can have that shot. You know, I mean, that that's something I, I just don't understand. I don't, I don't understand why I, I can't you. talk to him about that. The other thing is, um, Gordon Hayward's on that weak side all the time. Um, on many positions, he doesn't see the ball at all. And again, same thing. I don't trust Kemba or Smart as much as I trust Gordon at the top of the key in pick and roll. Um, both of those players, are, you know, are, are fine players, and um, but I just don't think that that. I, I think of the three, Gordon is the player that needs to be utilized the most. I, I just don't think he plays that well, you know, playing in the corner. Um, getting the occasional open shot. I think he's a player that plays better when he's involved in the game. That's the way that he played in Utah where he was a focal point. And, and I understand that's not going to happen quite the same way here with the guy like Tatum and, and Jalen. We've got a lot of playmakers that Utah didn't have. But but still, there are moments when um, when we don't need Kemba um, in pick and roll or smart. I, I just don't. I just don't understand. I, I feel like I'm constantly watching the game, watching Gordon, seeing where where he's at and why he's not touching the ball and why we're not better utilizing him. And, and you know, honestly, he's he's such a big part of the future if we're going to be a title team because we cannot lose him because we cannot replace his salary, we cannot replace his talent. And I just think that if that doesn't change, he's going to end up leaving because he's not going to feel that that the that our team puts him in puts him in the best position to to thrive as a player. You know, but it's it's interesting because uh, we've discussed this on Sealing This Media. It was actually Bobby and I, and you know, Bobby knows his stuff, and uh, we had this discussion about Jason Tatum, uh, not Jason Tatum, uh, Gordon Haywood, and, and the potential for him. You know, he has a he has an opt in to his contract, a player option at the end of this season, um, and whether or not he's uh, going to stay, whether or not there'll be a market for him, you know, in free agency, and I imagine there will. Um, the question is is not whether somebody would like to have Gordon Haywood on their team. R- regardless of what Boston Celtics fans think, I, I, I don't think there are very many, very many teams out there that wouldn't like to have him on their team. The question was, uh, are there teams out there that are willing to match the 30-some-odd million that he would be owed by the Boston Celtics if he, to, if he were to opt into that contract? And you bring up a very interesting issue, and it's one that I brought up with Bobby Manning when, he had, when we had this discussion, is that while there may or may not be a team out there that's willing to match Boston's salary or the salary that uh, uh, Gordon Hayward could get from the Boston Celtics, would Gordon Hayward possibly leave for, I mean, I'm not talking about a bargain basement price, but I mean, if somebody were to, let's say, offer him $30 million instead of the 34 or whatever it is that he's going to be getting next season, or maybe $25 million, would he take slightly less money? Would he take an equal offer match from another team if it would put him in a position to be more of a lead guy, more of the number one option that could then possibly lead him into a bigger salary after that, something that would, you know, boost him back into, you know, all-star status if he can get back into all-star status, maybe sign a couple-of-year contract or a one-plus-one a one type contract uh, to play himself back onto a team that would, you know, give him a better opportunity to be the focal point or one of the focal points. Um, and then from there have, you 
know, a, a more concrete, you know, more concrete offers in free agency in another year or two after having reestablished himself as an elite go-to player in this league. Now, I don't know. I have no clue because what I see from Gordon Hayward is what I see on the court, and I, it doesn't seem like he gets too high or too low. He just seems like kind of a, a fairly you know, level type of guy. He doesn't talk to the media about that type of stuff uh, very frequently. So I don't know, but I think that you're absolutely correct that, you know, that, that <laughs> Marcus Smart's going to do Marcus Smart things uh, regardless of what he does. And he's already locked down for the next three years. He's he's in, he's on his second contract right now. And I think that you're absolutely right that if it comes down to who do I want handling the ball or who do I want taking that shot or who do I want just basically running the offense, probably Gordon Hayward over Marcus Smart. I, I would rather Marcus Smart do Marcus Smart things, which I, I'm just going to call them Marcus Smart things because there's really no other way to describe them. Just, you know, do the things that he does n- naturally as opposed to taking those shots. And and sometimes he hits those shots, and they're shots that are at critical moments that, you know, really lift the Boston Celtics up, and not only just in terms of the scoreboard, but also in terms of, you know, elevating the, you know, the, 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 the emotions on the bench and of the players on the court with him. But I agree with you. Do you, do you, I mean, that, that's a position I'd much rather have Gordon Hayward in. Do you think Gordon Hayward might possibly uh, consider anything less than, or equal or less than what the Celtics, what he could make with the Celtics in free agency, maybe opt out, um, if he feels like he's playing a backseat, not just to Kemba Walker, who's an all-star, not just to, uh, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are the two rising wings who essentially play the same position he does in different ways, but essentially the same position, and they're ascending players, whereas Garden is in, you know, his prime about to be, you know, close to, you know, the, the, the back end of his prime. And even taking a backseat sometimes to a guy like Marcus Smart, who the offense is just running through. Uh, what do you think, uh, Sam? Do you think Gordon Hayward might actually consider uh, leaving the Boston Celtics if he isn't featured in more of a prominent role in this team, especially in clutch positions? Yeah, I mean, money-wise, we know that Jackson will probably try to do something like extend them that less money. Um, and I know this. I think this is the year that if he were to opt out, he's at ten years, um, so he can make a lot more. And, and I mean, we know that Danny's got to pay Jalen, Tatum, and Kemba at max amounts, so he's obviously going to try to get Gordon for less. I don't know how that would go, um, but yeah, I mean, he's a player that he's a lead player. I mean, he's not he's not a player to sit in the corner. Um, he's a player that plays best with the ball in his hands, and I just I don't think he's getting it. I don't think he's getting it enough. I'm really surprised because Brad is his coach, and 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 um, Brad would know that better better than anyone. I, I don't. I mean, because unless we're wrong, I don't see why um, why he isn't the one with the ball at the top of the key there. Other than other than when Tatum has it. I mean, I'm just talking strictly when when you see Kemba, Smart, and Hayward out on the court. Um, more often than not, um, it is either Kemba or Smart at the top, and, and Kemba's in that, and Gordon's in that corner. Sometimes, sometimes uh, Gordon will get the ball when he comes on and, and and curls around to the top of the key. But for the most part, he stays in that corner. And I don't know. I just feel like so many times I see him not get the ball at all. And um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he gets frustrated from that. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that he came through there at the end and had some some uh, some big plays there, but. You know when when he's not shooting the ball well, like like he wasn't tonight. I just feel like 
you know, sometimes when you watch players, you can sense when they have anxiety, when, when, when they're not playing with confidence. And, and I can, I can kind of see that in him. And I, and I think it's because he's not handling the ball enough. And, and, and with some players, that's their game, right? He, he's not, he's not a scorer first. He's a creator first. And he, he's, he's one of those players that does everything. He makes the right play. And, and I just think he would be a happier player in that position. And, and I just hope that it kind of works out. Usually the playoffs will, 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 will put the players in the right position. We're, we know we're going to see Tatum a lot uh, featured um, in, in a lot of one-on-one down the stretch. But um, when you're not looking for that kind of uh, one-on-one game, I think that's – I'm hoping in the playoffs that you'll see Gordon get into that pick and roll and, and that becomes a bread-and-butter play because, um, you know, when he's in that pick and roll – that also frees up a guy like Tatum in that corner, you know, so he's not having to constantly work for, for a shot. So anyways, those are my complaints. Other other than that, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a big win for us. I don't want to see us do two straight going into the all-star break and, and, uh, and lose that momentum. And uh, cause we got some really tough games on the other side and we, and Toronto lost last night. We got to keep up with them. I really want that two seed, that two seeds, all the difference in the world. We can maybe get, Kyrie and Brooklyn in that first round, and then it sets us up. So we got to get that second seed. So that's all I got. So thanks a lot. What's up? Absolutely. Sam in San Diego, thank you so much for calling. Long-time listener, long-time caller. Always good to hear from Sam in San Diego. Uh, I do see the switchboard has lit up. We have more calls than I've seen on the CLNS Media Boston Celtics Post Game Show in years. Uh, but before I go back to those uh, calls, I see you 913, I see you uh, 805, and of course I see you 978, the boss, Beto Manning. I see you all. Make sure to dial 347-215-7771 on a toll-free call line sponsored by betonline.ag. The footballs might be packed away for the season, but basketball, hockey, golf, and yes, you can even bet on the presidential elections as you can find all the odds with our exclusive sportsbook partner betonline.ag they have been in the industry for over 20 years providing customers with the first to market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime anywhere head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code clns50 that's clns50 to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit and have a little fun with some betting action today that 50% welcome bonus is basically uh, betonline.ag will match up to 50% of your initial um, betting proposition or whatever you call it. So say you want to bet $100 or you wanted to bet $100 on tonight's game, Clippers, uh, Boston, Clippers Celtics, and you put $100 down, betonline.ag would have matched 50% of your initial bet, which would have meant $50. So instead of $100, that first bet would have been $150. If you had bet $200, they would have matched you $100. I imagine there's some limit to it. Like if you had bet a million dollars, they probably wouldn't match you with the 500000 But if you're making some, you know, some reasonable, you know what I'm saying, uh, 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 plebiscite-type uh, bets like I would, like a measly $20, they would match my 10. So go to uh, betonline.ag and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And with that, we're going to go straight back to the call lines. I see 913 Kansas City area dialed 347-215-771 and pressed 1. 913, what's up, my friend? 
Hey, how's it going, man? How you doing? What's your name and uh, where you calling from? Oh, uh, so this is Steven uh, calling from Kansas City. Um, there you go. So, I mean, um, you know, after I, wa- I, I watched, like, you know, bits and pieces of the first half, but the second half and then the two overtimes I was able to watch. Um, probably one of the best games of the NBA season so far, just a really competitive game with, with two yes. teams uh, that are definitely going to be playing – hopefully playing deep in the playoffs, but um, I'm not going to go too long and uh, I'll try to keep it short, but um, just really, really impressed with Jason Tatum tonight. Um, You need 39 points, 14 and 23. And I think this was kind of, I tweeted it out. uh, This is really kind of a watershed moment tonight where, you know, he went up against Kawhi. He went up against the Clippers, a title contending team, and he didn't back down. And, he was efficient, and we've seen some games this year where Tatum has been good, and then the, the, where he'll put up, you know, 55, 60% shooting and put up, you know, 25, 30, and then there will be a couple other games where he'll go maybe 0 of 6 from 3 and and not be as efficient. But tonight was a really good game from him, and it was it was just – and considering Jalen Brown was not playing, uh, with him being the lead dog out there and – it was a good moment. I mean, there were times when I was kind of a little frustrated because I thought Boston should have went to him more late. Uh, I mean, I know Marcus Smart is 31, I believe, but I kind of wanted them to go to Tatum a little bit more. But it ended up happening at a good time, and it was a good win too because you know they're they're trying to catch Toronto for the two seed. Uh, but that's really all I got. Awesome, Stephen. I appreciate that calling from Kansas City. I think that's uh, some, some good points. I think, you know, that you, you might want the ball in certain – and that's two calls in a row that would pre- have preferred maybe the ball in, in different players' hands at the end of games. But I think that, you know, when there's a win, there's a win. I think that there – as uh, Sam in San Diego mentioned, the caller previously mentioned, you know, there's you know maybe some cause for concern. But hopefully by the time the playoffs come around that these issues will be – uh, resolved. Um, I agree. You, you kind of wouldn't mind having the ball in Jason Tatum's hand, or maybe even Kimball Walker's hands, or Garden Hayward's hands, as opposed to maybe a Marcus Smart's hands at the end of those games. Um, but you know, when things work out, you can't really be mad. And I think that's just Brad Stevens' ball. I think we've we've been asking um, at both I as a host at CLNS Media, but also I think Celtics fans. Uh, that watch these games night in and night out have been asking for five seasons now. Is Brad Stevens ever going to sit down and have that talk with you know Marcus Smart about you know picking picking his shots you know and picking the, the times when he should you know you know do those things on offense? Nobody is going to question anything about Marcus Smart on defense. Nothing he does. I don't. I don't think he can do any wrong. I mean, obviously he can make mistakes and they they do happen, but he can do no wrong on defense. When those mistakes, as rare as they are when they occur, Boston fans will uh, more than likely, I mean, unless it's the most egregious thing, overlook those mistakes. But the the offensive mistakes still, you know, when they occur in the offensive kind of, like tonight, like I mentioned at the, the opening of the show, you know, he made those two three-pointers early in the game and then, you know, proceeded to shoot, I don't know how many more, but it was 11 or 12 more of those, not even more, 14, uh, yeah, 
13, 12 more. He made, he made two at the beginning of the game, shot 12 more, ended up going 5 of 14. That's not the best percentage uh, from three that you would expect from a player like that. Um, and it's interesting that here in, the, in his fifth season, people are still kind of wondering, you know, what is what is Marcus Smart doing, especially in the crunch? I think in crunch time, like during games, is different. But when you get into these, you know, last second uh, possessions, what what is what are the team's roles? I think that we've had you know a couple of calls now in a row that are questioning, you know, what are the roles of the team? Who is going to take that last shot? And even I questioned, you know, what is that last shot going to be? I don't think when the game is tied, you know, speaking of getting the ball to Jason Tatum, they did that at the end of. Uh, uh, regulation, and I guess you could you could say maybe he was trying to he was waiting for them to draw that foul, but that was a foul to give. So I I don't know what he was doing, but dribbling around on the outside when the ball is tied, looking to line up a you know a sidestep three. I, I just I can't justify that. I can't justify you know Marcus Smart taking some of those shots at the end of games when there are players that are that have statistically better odds of making those shots. But that, like I said, is Brad Stevens' system? He's gonna he's gonna ride the person that has the best look. Uh, the argument I guess to be made is, are these really the best looks? But I mean, a 141 to 133 victory in double overtime is really difficult to to find complaints at that. I agree with uh, Stephen in Kansas City that this was probably one of the best games um, of the NBA season thus far. Perfect way, perfect way, especially on national TV uh, to close out the midway point of the season. Um, heading into the All-Star break. I mean, just a fantastic game all around. It was it was fun to watch. There were, you know, a few few issues. I think we can all come out with a few issues. When the team wins, there's always, you know, things that can be uh, just, you know, nitpicked or things that can be analyzed. And I think that's, that's legitimate because these are issues that are going to have to be faced uh, later on in the season, especially when the playoffs roll around. But as far as tonight, a 141-133 double overtime victory by the Boston Celtics in which you have uh, uh, 39 points from Jason Tatum and 31 points from Marcus Smart, uh, just not much to complain about. With that, I'm going to try to go back one more time to the call lines, 347-215-7771, sponsored by both HelloFresh and BetOnline.ag. We have a caller from the 805 805, you're live on the air. Did you want to join the conversation or are you just sitting there listening? Oh, I'll join the conversation. Eight. I'm good. <laughs> oh, cool. 805, what's up? What's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Justin, and I am from California. Justin in California. What's up, Justin? What did you think about the game tonight? It was a great game. I write for the – I'm a Clippers writer. It was a great game. It was an awesome oh, game. Oh, cool, a Clippers writer. That's uh, awesome. Thanks for calling in. No problem. It was an awesome game. Look, it's the second – Overtime game, the two teams have played against each other this season. They're, they seem very evenly matched. And, you know, Boston's one of the few teams in the league who can match up on the wing with the Clippers, and tonight we saw that. Absolutely. And, and it was a fun matchup. I mean, even the uh, the, the bench for the Clippers, I mean, it, as a Celtic fan and speaking to a Clipper fan, I mean, I know that you're familiar with the, with the work of uh, Lou Williams. It's just It just hurts so bad to see Lou Williams do that to your team coming off the bench, but I know the Celtics aren't the only team that he lights up off the bench. That's what he's done for his entire career. He's he's the six-man assassin, and uh, I mean that's that I think was the the real biggest difference in this in this game. I think there was what some uh, 62 points. I, I think I calculated it early. Something like 62, 65 points, something like that. 69 points off the bench <laughs> for the for the Clippers compared to 19 for the uh, the Celtics. I mean that's. 
That's that's pretty tough. The Celtics, I know that they were missing Jalen Brown, but the Clippers were also, you know, uh, Paul George left the game in the second quarter. So, I mean, they're in, and they didn't have Patrick Beverly. So they both teams were shorthanded. But, I mean, that's an issue I think the Boston Celtics need to address. And I think that every any any Celtic fan would be envious of the scoring punch and the, you know, rebounding and defensive, uh, you know, uh, weapons in Montrezl Harrell uh, that you guys have off the bench. And I think that was really what – but really, I know you guys have a fantastic starting lineup. I think uh, Marcus Morris is a great addition. On top of that, even though 10 points isn't the most impressive, he hit two three-pointers uh, that, that were, to me, that really hurt my feelings late in the game. Uh, but to have the weapons that the Clippers have off the bench, I mean, that's that's just insane. I think I think it was 59 points combined for Montrez and Lou Williams. I mean, that's that's a luxury when, you know, you can get – you know, not not the best of games from Kawhi Leonard. It was kind of a quiet game. I don't know how many scores. It was like 19 points from Kawhi Leonard tonight. Oh, he had 28 points. I'm oh, like, he, it was 19, yeah, he, he had 19 from Shamit, yeah. Yeah, he had 17, I believe, in the first half. Yeah, so 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 at the end of the game, 28 and 17 in the first half, and then it takes you, uh, then it then it took him uh, an entire half and then two overtimes to get to 28. So I think, I mean, 28 is not a bad uh it's not bad for the box score by any stretch, but I mean, as far as Kawhi Leonard is concerned, uh, he wasn't really the the guy that lit the Boston Celtics up. He did a, he did a great job tonight, but it was almost like it's, it's strange that you know a superstar player like Kawhi, uh, they they can have games that are kind of quiet twenty eight point games, but I think he could have done a lot more. And I think the bench to me, the bench tonight was the, the massive difference. When you see the Boston Celtics cutting out Grant Williams. <laughs> and trying to guard Montrez Harrell. I know he had one decent stop there in, uh, down the stretch, you know, late in the game after uh, Ennis Cantor was injured and Daniel Tice fouled out. But the Clippers bench, I mean, and they just you just got deeper with uh, with Marcus Morris. Incredible, incredible team. And I'm glad the Boston Celtics were able to, you know, match. I think, like you said, good matchups on the wings. Uh, very intriguing. And, again, two games in overtime. Can't, can't ask for much more than that. It would be a nice finals, wouldn't it? Yeah, it actually would. Uh, this was this was an interesting game because it was it felt like Boston had control almost the entire night. Ever since the Clippers started up 7-0 and then Marcus Smart had the 10-0 run by himself, it kind of just felt like Boston's game. And the Clippers just hung around and hung around and hung around. And then Marcus Marcus Morris had the offensive rebound and he hits the three to tie it in the fourth. And yes. like Kawhi. Kawhi's shot selection in the fourth quarter and overtimes kind of just looked like uh, they were. It wasn't ideal for him, and they just relied a lot on Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell to score, and, and they did. And but look, man, Jason Tatum carved him up at the end. Marcus Smart made plays when he had to, and the most incredible stat from this game, which I don't know if you guys knew this, is coming into tonight the Clippers were 29 and 0 when they out rebounded their opponents. They out rebounded Boston tonight, but lost. Wow. Yeah, we spoke about um, rebounding. Here, here in Boston, or here, here amongst Boston Celtics uh, fandom, there's been talk throughout the entire season about the deficiencies of our centers, the need for possibly getting another big man. Got to have Andre Drummond. 
And, you know, throughout most of the season, up until recently when, you know, Ennis Cantor got injured and then uh, Daniel Tice had some nagging, you know, some nagging stuff that either kept him out for a couple of games or, you know, affected his minutes or whatever else. But through most of the season, up until the, the past, I would say, month, the Boston Celtics were in the top ten in team uh, defensive rebounds. And then tonight only got out-rebounded by four rebounds. Now, I did not know that stat because, again, I, I watched the Clippers when the, when the Celtics played them. Uh, if there's an interesting or intriguing matchup, I'll watch the Clippers play. But I didn't know that they had won every single game um, in which they had out-rebounded their opponents. So quite a, a, a task, quite a feat for the Boston Celtics to get out-rebounded by only four. But still, it's out-rebounding is getting out-rebounded um, and managed to defeat the L.A. Clippers uh, for the first time this season in which the L.A. Clippers out-rebounded their opponents and lost. Crazy. Interesting stat. Yeah, it's you know this was a good matchup. I think the interesting thing from this game as well is it was a dogfight. Like both teams competed all 48 minutes of regulation, obviously the 10 minutes of overtime, and it was just it was just one of those games that was just fun. Like no matter who won or lost, it was just a fun game. And at the end of the day, that's what sports should be all about is fun, and it was tonight. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, there were some points at the end of the game where I was you know. D- d- kind of slapping the, 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 the cushions on my couch, you know, that certain play calls and certain, you know, uh, things that the players did. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm never going to forget watching uh, Jason Tatum with the score tied and at the end of regulation, kind of trying to set himself up for a three. I don't understand what goes through some of these players' heads where they, where they want to make the highlight. Like, it's just, it has to be dramatic. I guess I, for me, I just want to see a one-point win. I don't care how, you know, how it comes down. But I saw that, and then I saw it again, I think, at the end of first overtime where Jason Tatum didn't get bailed out with a, with a, with a foul that was a, the, the Clippers had a foul to give, I think, at the end of regulation as Jason Tatum was dribbling uh, on the right, you know, wing of the, of, you know, right of the of the circle on the three-point line, dribbling, looking like he was getting ready to set up what would have been a contested three, just kind of trying to dribble and in, in sidestep his defender, only to get fouled with the foul to give. And then I think Kimball Walker had that last shot with 10 seconds to go where he thought maybe he got fouled. And then at the end of the first overtime, Jason Tatum did exactly what I what I was suspecting him of doing, and you know, basically just dribbled around, you know, the the perimeter, and then took, you know, what was a contested three-point shot, and even Kevin McHale, as I mentioned earlier, Kevin McHale on the national broadcast, uh, talking about, you know, Jason Tatum taking bailing out the uh, Clippers' defense with a uh, with a difficult shot that, you know, all you, if the score is tied, all you need is one point to win. You don't need a dramatic three-pointer over half the Clippers' defense in order to, you know, win the game. I know some of these players, and that's one of the things I just don't understand. I mean, Michael Jordan passed the ball twice uh, to to win championships or to win series, uh, passed it to to John Paxson and passed to uh, Steve Kerr to get you know games won. Sometimes you know get you know, move the ball a little bit. You don't have to you know dribble it and you know dribble your man down and then rise for a contested or a, a sidestep or some other type of you know uh, high difficulty level three uh, when the game is tied and all you need is a point to win it. But like you said, the game was fun. The players that needed to make plays at the end of the day for the Celtics uh, got those uh, plays made. Um, what do you think 
it was as a, from, from a Clippers fan and a Clippers writer perspective. Uh, where did you feel? I know, obviously, with the five-point lead, it's kind of like, oh, well, shit, we're about to lose. But I mean, at what point did you feel? What play did you feel like? Well, that's that. Because I know that a lot of a lot of fans, myself included, have those moments where when there goes the game. Uh, for me, it may have been that. Uh, Turnover by Montrez Harrell on what could have been called. I was I was surprised it wasn't called the foul by Grant Williams. There was clearly a bump uh, by Grant Williams' body, I think, on a rebound or a loose ball or something that was headed for Montrez Harrell. Montrez went down, um, but it wasn't. But nothing was called, and the Celtics got the ball. For me, that was kind of like the ceiling moment. Did you have any any feeling in this game uh, in the in the second overtime that you know that was you know that was the game was going to be you know that was the, that was the game basically. That well, that was the game. That was it. Did you did you get any feeling about any specific play on that? Maybe the the Gordon Hayward forced turnover of Lou Williams there, where he lost the ball out of bounds. Well, it was probably it was one, I believe it was like one thirty one thirty, and Tatum missed a step back three. Clippers get the rebound. They have a chance to take the lead, and Kawhi just dribble. It goes back to the shot selection he had late in this game. He takes a pull up three in transition. And he misses it. Well, uh, he ends up getting a steal, but basically Boston gets the steal right back. Kawhi turns it over. They get a uh, Boston gets a layup. Shamit comes back down, misses a layup. Uh, Celtics come right back down. Jason Tatum gets the layup to put uh, Boston up four with about two minutes to go. And then from there, like the Clippers cut it back down to two on the next play, but it just never felt close after that because it always feels in overtimes especially whoever gets a two-possession lead pretty much is going to win, which isn't always the case, but it just has that feeling. And then right. it's at two, and then the Celtics come down. They get the open Hayward three, I believe, in the corner, and that was it. Like, once you're up five, I just felt like that was the end of the game because then Lou turns the ball over, and that's basically just it. Right. Yeah, Gordon Hayward, he he really did come through, you know, uh, late in the game. I'd like to see more than, you know, in in a in a game where you have double overtime, I'd like to see more than, you know, what what amounts to maybe one and a half good quarters of basketball from Gordon Hayward. I think he had a fantastic third quarter. He was kind of like that guy that, you know, got the Celtics going out of the out of the half. Um kind of contributed to that feeling of the Celtics being in control. And then, you know, really came through uh, there late in the game. He, I mean, Gordon Hayward, you know, missed some bunnies. He missed an open layup. He missed a wide-open shot from maybe, you know, six feet uh, along the baseline, six feet away from the basket to have me screaming, use the glass, why not use the glass? Uh, but then, you know, forced that turnover on Lou, hit that three, um, grabbed a couple of, you know, critical rebounds there at the end, um, did it when he needed uh, to get it done. But interesting take. Um, so tell us, Justin, what do you, where do you write for, and where can we check you out? Give us a plug before we, uh, uh, before I wrap this show up and, and and call it a night. Let let everybody know where they can read your your writings and your your analysis, your basketball analysis, your wisdom as a Clippers writer. All right. Well, if you want to catch my writing, I'm on Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash/FlyByNight. It's F-L-Y-B-Y-K-N-I-T-E. And my Twitter handle is the same thing. Fly by night. Awesome. Well, appreciate the call. And um, I, I don't know. I guess we probably won't play the Clippers again unless it happens to be the NBA Finals. Uh, but if you want any Boston Celtics postgame, you know, analysis, talk, whatever it is, you're always welcome to call back in and check us out anytime. Fantastic call. And, uh, and thanks for your input. Thank you.
Awesome. Have a good one. Thanks for calling in. That's right. Patreon.com, fly by night. Awesome call. Calling in straight from L.A. Clipperland. Got to love that. We have listeners from all over the country. Um, with that, I'm going to wrap the show up. Once again, the Boston Celtics, last game before All-Star break, winning 141-133 to over the L.A. Clippers. Uh, in, in double overtime, improving to 38-16 and 16 on the season. Um, the Boston Celtics will next be in action. Well, a couple of the Boston Celtics will next be in action. Uh, this Sunday, the 16th, as uh, Kemba Walker joins Team Giannis in the All-Star game, and Jason Tatum joins Team LeBron um, against that or in that same All-Star game. So you'll get to see Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum, two Boston Celtics, the two Boston Celtics All-Stars, playing this weekend, Sunday the 16th, um, one for Team Giannis, Kemba, and one for Team LeBron, Jason Tatum. These guys were chosen um, by their respective team captains to uh, join their team. Funny quote from Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, on why he chose Kemba Walker. He said, I need somebody to pass the ball. So there you go. He, even, even Giannis Antetokounmpo, arguably the best player in the league right now, the best young player at least, uh, recognizes the uh, the necessity of a player like Kemba Walker, an unselfish player uh, like Kemba Walker. Um, the Boston Celtics as a team will be back in action Friday the 21st as they uh, take on the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minneapolis. Uh, that game, I believe, starts at 8 o'clock. I'm not positive, um, but if, uh, as you know, every after every single game, the CLNS Media Boston Celtics post-game show will be breaking down all of the action, all of the statistics, anything you could possibly want from the game. Uh, so not sure who the host will be, but if it is CLNS Media Radio, you can bet that it will be quality um, analysis. And one last thing before we finish out the show, don't want to bury the lead. This probably should have led the show, but we'll end the show with a dedication to our man. Kevin Garnett, and of course, anything is possible, including getting his number retired by the Boston Celtics. Congratulations to the big ticket, the kid, KG getting his number retired. No mean feat for the Boston Celtics, who are running out of numbers. You're going to have offensive linemen looking numbers out there, players wearing, you know, 67 and, and 83 and stuff like that. You're going to have wide receiver numbers out there for the Boston Celtics soon because all the uh, the good numbers, single-digit numbers, and even the normal uh, double-digit number, numbers are getting retired. And of all those numbers, number five is going up in the Raptors at TD Garden. What an honor. So much uh, respect and love for Kevin Garnett. Um, not sure how everybody in Boston Celtics land feels about it, but I know me personally, I'm absolutely uh, thrilled about Kevin Garnett getting his number retired. Absolutely deserves it. Um, I know he did not spend the majority of his career or that many years in total with the Boston Celtics, but... What he did, meaning Kevin Garnett, 
was change the culture of this franchise. If Kevin Garnett never comes to the Boston Celtics, they don't win banner number 18. And the Los Angeles Lakers possibly surpass the Boston Celtics because one of those uh, years, the Los Angeles Lakers went to the finals, the Boston Celtics beat them for a championship to give them banner 17. So without Kevin Garnett, there would be no banner 17. The Los Angeles Lakers most likely would have won that finals against some other bum team, whether it was the Cavaliers or the Orlando Magic or whoever else it was, and would have possibly had uh, 17, if not 18 titles by now if if it weren't for Kevin Garnett coming to the Boston Celtics. Um, I think this sets the bar really high, though, even though he wasn't there for very long in terms of years. I think it sets the bar very high in terms of impact to the team, um, in terms of what they accomplish with the team. I think basically at this point, if you're going to be retired by the Boston Celtics, you have to win a ring with the Boston Celtics. Or you have to dedicate your entire career uh, to, to building something that ultimately results in a, in, a, in, a, in a ring or a banner. Whether you're there for the banner or not, if you are a part of growing that, uh, that's, that's going to be the criteria going forward. And that's really what sets Kevin Garnett apart from uh, other players uh, who wore number tw- uh, to number 20, for example, in the past, and why that number 20 uh, will never be retired for that particular player, is that Kevin Garnett changed the culture of this Boston Celtics team. Uh, he changed the culture from uh, what it was, which was a team that, although making it to the Eastern Conference Finals um, a few years before Kevin Garnett's arrival, before the uh, the construction of the new big three, Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker made in losing to the New Jersey Nets, um, <clears throat> the New Jersey Nets uh, several years back. But Kevin Garnett changed the culture into a into one of gritty, hard nosed um, defensive basketball. And I know that's you know lunch pail sports is what distinguishes Boston uh, sports from pretty much most other cities in that it's, it's, it's working-class sports. It's, it's, it's lunch pill sports. It's bring your hard hat, bring your lunchbox, and do your job, to, to borrow a phrase uh, from the New England Patriots. Um, and Tommy Boy, I hope you stay. But uh, And Kevin Garnett brought back that mentality to the Boston Celtics. He brought back that gritty mentality. He brought back that role of... of uh, of you know defense first of setting the tone with physicality of setting the tone with intensity because there was nobody more intense than Kevin Garnett um, and in my opinion whether every Celtics fan that I've seen on social media a little bit of disagreement here and there I, I don't personally get it I think Kevin Garnett deserves it you could tell it was coming because no player has won number five since Kevin Garnett uh, was traded to the Brooklyn Nets, so congratulations to Kevin Garnett on that. Uh, Happy as a Boston Celtics fan that uh, the big ticket, the kid, Kevin Garnett, is having his number retired by the Boston Celtics organization. Um, With that, Boston Celtics, 141-133, double overtime win. We'll catch you again Friday the 21st as the Boston Celtics take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Take it easy, everybody.
You ever been in a bar fight? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.